Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Objective. Today, I've got James with me. How's it going, James? I'm quite well. How are you? I'm a bit under the weather, which is why my camera's going to be off, but people get to see my lovely Facebook avatar. Um, As I was saying, you look like a fierce Viking there, sir. (laughs) I try my best. Who knows? Maybe there are are some Danes in my ancestry. (laughs) But... um, Today we're talking um, a bit about UNRWA again, and uh, well, and something tangential to UNRWA. And this is basically the announcement that the Israeli government is actively looking for things to step in to fill the void of of UNRWA's role in effect. And one of the organisations that is being considered is the World Food Programme. Um, so, James, why don't you tell us a, tell us a little bit about this story? Well, you know. <laughs> First, let's back up to the the real obscenity going on here. Does anybody owe the Palestinians a drop of clean water, an ounce of food, any medical care, anything, whatever? Are the Palestinian people somehow congenitally disabled? Are they unable to do this for themselves? You know, if little Hong Kong could become one of the wealthiest places on earth, having more real estate than Hong Kong, there's no reason why the Gazan uh, residents can't at least feed themselves, can't at least feed themselves. They are perfectly capable of taking care of themselves. Of course, it's their values that disable them. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with uh, natural resources. You know, Just as Europe's wealth uh, compared to, say, Africa's or Asia's has absolutely nothing to do with race, or natural resources, obviously. It's a question of your values and your system of government. And it, the, if, if the Palestinian people in Gaza are hungry and need support, they have an obligation to support themselves. Their need is no moral claim on anybody else. Nobody has any moral duty to help the Palestinians. Full stop. So the obscenity here starts with the idea that somehow the world, because Palestinians in Gaza are hungry, the world has to find some way of providing humanitarian aid and relief. No, they do not. The Palestinians are perfectly capable of feeding themselves. If they wanted to feed themselves, they could. No, instead, what we're doing is enabling their terrorism. We're enabling their, you know, from the minute Hamas was elected, They started, I mean, literally within days, within weeks, they were lobbing rockets at Israel. So as I've said before, and I'll say again, rather than make Gaza a decent place for people to live in some kind of peace, uh, some kind of prosperity, all they exist to do, it's in their charter. It's in their charter to destroy Israel. That's immediately what their value was. So they put all of their resources and attention into the destruction of Israel and the killing of Jews. We saw it on October 7th. That's the practical manifestation of that value. And so everyone who is feeding them voluntarily or through some kind of international aid organization is actually aiding more October 7th. You're aiding the values. See, let's take this to the individual charity level. Uh, I'm not going to give money to someone who's engaged in self-destruction. If someone is a congenital drug addict, my giving them, simply giving them cash is not in a, really helping them at all. They neither deserve it, nor will it help them. It makes no sense just to give indiscriminately based on need. Uh, The person has to be worthy of it. It has to be something other than a waste. 
And in this case, it's not just a waste because these perfectly capable people aren't doing lifting a finger to feed themselves. It, not only are we sanctioning that, but we're sanctioning everything that they actually are doing, which is violence, which is violence. <clears throat> in effect, by finding uh, any other uh, aid agency, foreign aid is an obscenity in itself. Foreign aid is by itself an immoral sanctioning, and it doesn't help, as I say, poverty at all. It only encourages and subsidizes poverty. So long as you provide the aid, we have to look at each of us as individuals and each of us as an, each nation as a nation faces and confronts the problem of survival. And we have to do that on our own. And it's our obligation and no one else's duty to support us. The premise walking in here is rank altruism and a kind of forced collectivist rank altruism that says that the rest of the world has some kind of moral obligation to feed them at all. But in this context, it is particularly obscene because by feeding them, we are actually enabling their genocidal intentions, sanctioning those intentions, and materially supporting any future acts of terrorism that they might do. You do not feed someone who is busy killing other people. To do that is to aid, give aid and comfort to the murder. So any attempt to provide food aid of any sort to the Palestinian people who largely support Hamas, who celebrated October 7th, is in fact to materially support their violence, to sank morally sanction um, October 7th, and in fact to subsidize more and more and more of them, to encourage it, to subsidize it, to uh, make it pay, if you will. <clears throat> so foreign aid as such is obscene, to start right there. Uh, there is no reason why a country can't uh, feed itself. Uh, but secondly, in the case of Gaza, it is additionally obscene because we're directly giving material support to murder. And we're directly giving material support to people, uh, who, to the very crimes uh, that we've been complaining about here at RQK. Ayn Rand had some remarkable things to say about foreign policy, of course, and capitalism, the you know, an ideal um written almost 60 years ago now, Ayn Rand said the following, we do need a policy based on long range principles. That is an ideology, but a revision of our foreign policy from its basic premises on up is what today's anti-ideologists dare not contemplate. The worse its results, the louder our public leaders proclaim that our foreign policy is bipartisan. A proper solution would be to elect statesmen, if such appeared, with a radically different foreign policy, a policy explicitly and proudly dedicated to the defense of America's rights and national self-interests, repudiating foreign aid and all forms of international self-immolation. That is from the wreckage of the consensus from her book, Capitalism, the Unknown Ideal. Uh, a couple of years before that, she told in 1964, Playboy magazine, the following. Uh, the Playboy magazine interviewer said, would you favor the United States withdrawal from the United Nations? Because, of course, this food organization is just another arm of this horrific organization, the United Nations. Sixty years ago, Ayn Rand told Playboy magazine, yes, I do not sanction the grotesque spectacle of an organization allegedly devoted to world peace and human rights 
which includes Soviet Russia, the worst aggressor and bloodiest butcher in history, as one of its members. The notion of protecting rights with Soviet Russia among the protectors is an insult to the concept of rights and to the intelligence of any man who is asked to endorse or sanction such an organization. I would add even more obscene to fund it. <clears throat> I do not believe that an individual should cooperate with criminals, and for all of the same reasons, I do not believe uh, that free countries should cooperate with dictatorships. And finally, <clears throat> in The Virtue of Selfishness, in her article, Collectivized Rights, again, more than 60 years ago, Ayn Rand wrote the following. The right of, quote, the self-determination of nations, end quote, applies only to free societies and to societies seeking to establish freedom. It does not apply to dictatorships. Just as an individual's right of free action does not include the right to commit crimes, that is, to violate the rights of others, so the right of a, of a nation to determine its own form of government does not include the right to establish a slave society, that is, to legalize the enslavement of some men by others. There is no such thing as a right to enslave. A nation can do it, just as a man can become a criminal, but neither can do it by right. We are drenched and drowning in the very opposite ideas. We've been drowning them as these quotes, they're 60 years old. As Ayn Rand indicates here, we've been drowning in altruism as a philosophy. We've been drowning in the idea that somehow uh, the, the, Nations that can, that take the, the proper steps are willing to feed themselves, able to feed themselves because their values are pro-life, because their system has enough freedom to allow people to pursue their own uh, lives uh, as a right. <laughs> it is just utterly obscene to say that these people owe anything to the developing nations of this world who are developed, who's still developing, not because of any... Oppression, colonialism, no, that's all a Marxist myth. It's not a lack of natural resources, that's wrong. It's not a question of their race, that's wrong. It's a question of their values. If they valued life on earth, if they were reason-oriented, if they had a system, as I say, that was free enough to allow them <laughs> to pursue their own lives, they would not need foreign aid. They would not need foreign aid. They are not congenitally disabled as a people, <clears throat> and it is obscene. The very idea that they need foreign aid to be fed is obscene. But in this case, it's particularly obscene. In, in this case, you're actually feeding someone who's lobbing rockets simultaneously in aggressive action. So anyone who is feeding aggressors, anyone who is concerned about getting food, clean water, and medicine to people who are lobbing rockets are just as guilty of lobbing the rockets as the people themselves, if they're doing so knowingly. If they're doing so knowingly. Um, that would be my thought on this, Morgan. <laughs> no, that, that's fair enough. That was that was an admirable um, round of rhetoric there as well. <laughs> you did, you did. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I guess something we should we should home in on the on the altruism and something someone I I saw somebody make a point the other day, which I thought was good about this, which is. Um, that of course, whilst we did have photography during the Second World War, so there's an awful lot of it that we saw. Imagine if um, there was social media and 24-hour news and so on, and you were getting that constant stream through. What do we imagine World War II would have looked like? And it would have been obviously very horrific if we were constantly seeing the images coming through. And so, and the reason I bring that up is because I think the way that the pressure gets put on people um, 
to support these kind of altruistic causes and therefore undermine what's actually in their interest, which as you were kind of saying, is not particularly through rational means. And I think that's how how Rand made the point. I think she, she says somewhere, I think, that altruism is never put over on people by convincing them rationally most of the time. A lot of it's through emotional pressure. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing here. And as you say, it's not just, it's not altruism in a minor sense. It's, act, it's actively supporting the people of a, if you don't want to say country, a, a kind of micro state, which you're at war with and have been for, for decades, really. Um, and so I think, I think we need to, you know, we need people to really think about the fact that even if this looks horrific, which it, which it does, and it, it's not, no, I don't think that's in dispute. That per se isn't enough to therefore say that Israel has to has to find the food to support the citizens of of its enemy. We need to say out loud that whatever suffering is going on in Gaza is the result of the Palestinians' own actions. They are responsible for their own starvation, and they are holding themselves in effect and their own children in effect hostages to our altruism. Now, during World War II, I think that the Western world had a little more, little better moral clarity, at least. Uh, and I think that given what uh, the West was going through in its attempt to fight Hitler, for example, uh, you know, I could show you image for image, uh, uh, you know, the, the results of, say, uh, one of Hitler's V2 rockets in London, uh, you know, and when that's going on, it's... It, it, it makes it more clear. The problem here is that Israel is overwhelmingly stronger and wealthier. <laughs> They're wealthier in a similar geographic location, showing what, in fact, the Palestinians could do to their own territory if that were their values. <laughs> but unfortunately, those aren't their values. Uh, uh, but uh, the idea here is clearly the Palestinians are the authors of their own misery. They create their own starvation. And they're, as we've said many, many times, their whole tactic, their whole strategy is to use our altruism, our feelings of compassion against us. By the time, I think that the distance of the last 80 years between uh, the last world war and now has only seen a decay in Western certainty, uh, postmodernism, uh, radical skepticism, cultural relativism, multiculturalism, um, and the ongoing drumbeat uh, uh, about the guilt, the un this ridiculous claim of the guilt of the West, as though the the wealth, the, the West's wealth was somehow uh, uh, came at the expense of the developing world. That's a lie. That's a total lie. In their inner, in this colonial interaction, and I am not a fan, obviously, of imperialism. No, <clears throat> I'm more on the Gladstone side than the Disraeli side, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, countries like Great Britain really don't have a lot to gain from trying to rule, you know, South Asia, the Indian uh, subcontinent, uh, and in fact, India gained more from the interaction than Great Britain ever could have. I'm gonna repeat that. Great Britain actually did not gain anything like what the native population of Southern India did because of the British Raj. Now, I know that's controversial and that's upside down from the way most people think, but that's the truth. But that's the truth. Uh, uh, Asia, South America, Africa could be the richest places on earth right now. 
could be the richest places on earth right now because of their natural resources, but it's their system of government that doesn't allow individuals to be free to pursue that. It is their values, which of course condition all of that. If they had value, life-oriented values, reason-oriented values, they would of course be productive, uh, selfish in the proper way, and feeding themselves and becoming wealthy and prosperous. They are the authors of their own misery. In the case of the Palestinians, it's quite intentional. It's not because they're confused about political philosophy or economics. I suppose an excuse you could give to some. It's because of their intentional policy of holding a gun to their own head, holding a gun to their own baby's head, if necessary, and saying to us in the West, we'll shoot our own baby if you don't feed us, which is in effect what's going on. Now, much worse than that Palestinian demand is, of course, the response by countries like Israel and the United States and Great Britain. Well, of course, we've got to feed these people. Uh, even though they're lobbing rockets at, at Israel continuously for the last 16 years, we've got to somehow feed these people. Even though they just perpetrated October 7th, we've somehow got to give them material support. Why? To encourage them? To reward them? To, to reward them in their uh, uh, self-destructive wallowing? Or worse, to reward them in, for October 7th? No. The aid of Gaza should be taken away because of October 7th, even if we were doing the morally wrong thing of giving them aid in the first place. You, you, if I'm, it's, it's like giving, like I say, it's like giving charity to someone who's only going to, you know, use it to put uh, heroin or fentanyl in their arm. That would be helping the person kill themselves. Not all charity is pro-life. A good deal of the welfare, social support that we do, even the charity that people do, is actually counterproductive. It encourages and subsidizes and rewards bad behavior. In the case of the Palestinians uh, in Gaza, it is 10 times the problem because what you're doing is actually giving material aid and comfort to their violent activity. You're allowing them to make more rockets, send more rockets. You're allowing them to do more October 7th at the end of the day. We in the West who feed the Palestinians have blood on our hands because we're allowing them. They need to confront the problem of their own survival this way. If they're the cause of their own starvation, we need to step out of the way and let people face the consequences of their own policies. And if we don't do that, of course, they'll never learn the correct relationship <laughs> between uh, life and values, let's say. It's, it, it'll never happen. They uh, are assuming that because we believe we have a duty to, to feed them, that we will go on needing to feed them. And that, of course, will allow them to continue to do their violence. Uh, no, the food and medicine itself must be cut off if the Palestinians are to learn their lesson. They are responsible for not having food and medicine in the first place. They are responsible. You know, consider UNRWA, the organization that's be, that they want to replace because, well, gosh, after all, we've got to feed the Palestinians somehow. But the original organization was knee-deep in Hamas terrorists. 10% of the organization, uh, one Israeli uh, estimate is, are, are people involved with Hamas. People involved with Hamas. So because they use this aid organization to propagandize, to propagandize the young people and to further encourage it, any aid to UNRWA obviously is 
directly supporting, sanctioning, subsidizing, encouraging, uh, su materially supporting more October 7th. That's what UNRWA directly is. Mm -hmm. Even though if it came from the World Food Organization, it would still be a subsidization of violence, if not with yeah. the educational propaganda arm. Absolutely. Um, I'll just do our super chats just before we get into the final round. But I have to say, I like your uh, Disraeli Gladstone reference, James. Um, oh, I, I also prefer Gladstone. I always think that whenever a pol British politician says that their favorite politician is Gladstone, it usually signs, uh, sorry, is Disraeli that usually signs that they're a bit of a scoundrel. Um, Disraeli was also a rubbish novelist. Anyway, um, <clears throat> for our super chats, we have $1 from Bonnie. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Two dollars from Gail, thank you, Gail, and then uh, five dollars from Jonathan, thank you, Jonathan. Um, I I also think a consideration people need to make because that we've been speaking, I guess, fundamentally about the kind of moral philosophical point, which is what we should be talking about. But people also need to think about, um, I guess, maybe the utilitarian point or the or the the effectiveness kind of point because often what what is so often the case with um, charitable giving. If we talk, if we're speaking about giving to some of the more um, authoritarian countries in the world, which are suffering um, natural disasters or economic um, downturns, um, is that when they have authoritarian governments, um, these governments end up leeching a lot of the aid that comes in to help the people. Um, one of the notable examples of that that always comes to mind is the guy who's in who was um, president of the Congo, whose name's escaping. Is it Kabila or Kabala? um <clears throat> so or and when 80 i mean geez yeah the um I mean, yeah. the examples of this are numerous i think morgan yeah yes yeah and um and so that's something that people really need to think about when it comes to charitable giving and then if you apply it to unra um we know that <laughs> they were not just kind of um aiding the enemy they were actively you know in through their schools they were in a sense training the next generation and what, there was an interesting tweet by Eitan, who we had on the channel just a, a week or so ago, um, that was looking at the total amount of aid that's been allowed to go in, even just during the war so far. And and the total number was, some, was plentiful enough that actually for the people in Gaza to be suffering the way they are, the logical conclusion has to be what we you know we've suspected which is hamas is taking it for themselves primarily and then whatever's left over is going to the people so when if the world food um program or whatever is coming in um you really need to consider that not only is this um helping the people of the enemy so to speak but this is actively going to help the soldiers of the enemy first and foremost before it goes to any civilians that we might want to be generous to um the gaza health authority is run by hamas so who's who, who are the doctors who are going to be getting the, it's not going to go to the doctor it's going to be filtered through hamas they will get the they will be the first ones to get the food the medicine, the clean water, whatever else is sent there. Um, and uh, we are allowing them to continue. We're not helping them. They're actively committing suicide in their effort to kill Israel. It's, it's no favor we're doing to them, for them, at all, at all. You, you consider, for example, had the West, had Britain and the United States said, you know, before we do this uh, this war against Hitler, we'd best feed the German people. That would have prolonged the war. That would have prolonged the misery. That would have prolonged the activity at the concentration camps. That would have prolonged fighting on the battlefield. 
more people would have died on both sides had the West said, well, gee, we got to feed the German people. No, the best way to stop the Nazis and to end the war is to cut off all of their resources so that they can no longer fight the war at all, so that they will collapse when the West attacks them. Uh, it, it, it was the biggest favor. It, it, I don't like doing this because, of course, we have a right to do it for our own well-being. If you're attacked, you have a right to wipe out the enemy and eliminate the threat. That's your right. That's your right. But even looking at it from the standpoint of, uh, you know, what is good for the German people, it's better for the German people to end that regime and that war as quickly as possible. As quickly as possible. You only perpetuate, lengthen, and extend. And in this case, with uh, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, it is obvious on the face of it. What we're doing is extending the cycle of violence, this endless perpetual cycle of uh, attacks and, and counterattacks that uh, uh, people say, oh, well, that's inevitable, and that's why we shouldn't be involved. No, it is the direct product of the West materially supporting these people. It is a direct product of the implied moral sanction of that. No, we do the Palestinians no favor by sending them food aid right now. Quite the opposite. We keep Hamas in power. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and so, James, um, I guess I always kind of want to end the episode thinking about what can people do? Um, how do we go about convincing our politicians to not be, because, for example, with UNRWA, um, its its budget was something about a, a billion dollars a year, a third of which was given just by the United States. Um, and that that's a billion dollars every year that's going towards helping the other side, right? So how do we, because we're speaking in a, uh, to a point which is, you know, we're fighting an uphill battle, so to speak. Uh, people are emotionally going to be very invested in the idea of giving aid to um to the to the other side and they won't recognize the kind of case we're making so how do we how do we go about either convincing people or politicians of of this kind of point it does require conceptual thought it does require considering long term it does require thinking in principle as miss rand says uh, and so pictures we have to be able to when there are pictures of suffering palestinian children we have to be able to respond by saying as i just said for one thing, you're not helping those Palestinians. And for another thing, we have no duty. So unless altruism is itself questioned, we are SOL, Morgan. Uh, the question here is philosophical. It is assumed in the United Kingdom and in the United States that there are hungry people there. We've got to feed them. That There are no other considerations. That's how uh, you know narrow their scope is here. The only way to get through is to be conceptual, to be principled. Yeah, and that means looking beyond that picture to see what is really in our long-term interests and even what's in the long-term interests of the Palestinians in a principled way, in a conceptual way. Um, and uh, that, of course, requires a better philosophy. Unfortunately, our academics and our policymakers and our media pundits are mired in precisely the opposite philosophy, a philosophy that disables them from seeing how they are, in fact, subsidizing, supporting, continuing, and encouraging more October 7th. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay, everybody, we're just in the final minute, so we'll um, wrap up. There is no reality show today. Um, I'm 
sorry about that that's the first break we've had in its six month run so far so i hope that'll uh, you'll forgive us but we'll be back on tomorrow with the reality show um and yeah so we'll we'll see you guys all tomorrow daniel do we have anything it's going live at seven o'clock today not today not today okay all right well thank you very much for joining us everyone thank you very much james and we'll see you guys all tomorrow with the daily objective and the reality show